Very good morning, guys. Jazz here from Jazz Real Estate, EV Group, Point Cook, with our latest show with, again, our guest, Shania, from Convincing Hub. Shania, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's a crazy time of the year this year. So Tell me about it. Really looking forward to the Christmas break and yes. um, getting everything out of the way. But also, this is the nut and crackle of, of our business. And yeah. Finishing off whatever we have to for the year and then moving across to the next year. That is so true. I think everyone deserves a break this year, especially after all the interest rates and uh, what people have gone through as well. And the ones who have not, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh, let's keep it light, yeah. Um, I guess today we'll talk a little bit more about. Let's let's keep it general and understand exactly what's happening in your area of industry and and your world of convincing, and then we'll touch on what's happening in uh, real estate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some tips, what people should actually or could follow to be able to sort of get great outcomes or perhaps um, be able to sort of navigate through the current times and what my thought process is in terms of what could potentially happen over the next couple of months based on The Economist and based on the numbers and the data that we've started as well. Yeah. So let's start with yourself, Shania. What are you seeing overall? Give us a helicopter view of uh, convincing because you see buyers as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're more of a seller side yeah. and then the buyers look after their file through the convincer. Mm-hmm. So we get to hear either it's unconditional yeah. or they need more time. But then yeah. you know a lot more about what's happening in the Bible. Behind doors, yeah. Exactly. There's Sentiments as well. There's a lot of things that's well. said towards um, conveyances that potentially not said towards the agents. Yeah. For, for that odd. Um, look, I think, we're, as you guys know, that we're also from a financial background as well. Yes. So we see a lot at the moment with these interest rate hikes where our buyers are a little bit more touchy. They're a little mm-hmm. bit more concerned. Right. Um, and also with regards to the financial aspect, the mm-hmm. bank's have um, really knuckled down their serviceability. Right. So you could still be on, you know, a one to $200,000 package, mm. um, but banks still may, may or may not look at you. And you right. think, okay, I earn $200,000 um, a year. Surely I can afford yeah. to do this. But when we look at the interest rate, because the interest rate is so high, that serviceability that yeah. comes into play. So uh, gotcha. a lot of my clients who buy um, buy subject to finance mm. um, are needing more than one extension. So normally really? before pre-interest rate hikes, you know, at, at the time of sale, you would sign a two-week yeah. subject to finance clause. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of my clients are needing four weeks. Um, wow. One, okay. that's because they may or may not have the financials there or have done a pre-approval. Okay. That's understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the clients already had a pre-approval, um, because of these interest rates, if they got a pre-approval back from two months ago and the interest rate now has gone up, the cash right. rate's gone up another two times, yeah. the serviceability has completely changed again. So they've got to go restructure uh-huh. their loan, reassess it. Um, so the banks are taking a little bit longer, mm. being a little bit tough, which means the buyers are stressing out. They're saying, well, I've paid a deposit. What's going to yeah. happen? So I always say to my clients, go with your subject to finance. Yeah. Worst case, if we can pull out, we'll come out. However... There has been scenarios where mm. what I've seen, and this is obviously going more in towards a right. contract condition, more or less to summarise it, um, I had a client, they went, had a pre-approval, uh-huh. we went subject to finance for two weeks, two and right. a half weeks, and they received a deferred letter. So with a deferred letter, it wasn't a decline, more okay. or less it was, you have to provide this information uh-huh. in order for us to get the approval. Now right. my client um, was not able to provide that information, gotcha. therefore was unable to proceed. Uh-huh. However, what happened was this, then we ended up trying to cancel the contract right. on that basis, uh-huh. but this conveyance was adamant that because it was a deferred letter that we weren't able to cancel. 
Because it was not a decline. Because technically it was not a decline. So there was a lot of back and forth communication. Um, basically, my client had to fourth part of his deposit. Um, How I much was it? Said, so he put asking. a 10% deposit down. Okay. So I think about 25000 that um, vendor, the, sorry, the buyer actually lost the deposit of twenty five. Out of 50. Out of, out of the, correct, out of oh, the 50. Oh, wow. Yep. So um, I, till this day, do not agree with yeah. the outcome of that. And I gave my client a choice. I said, look, they're obviously not communicating with us. Your option is to potentially seek some legal advice. Yeah. Because um, being a conveyance, there's only a limit to a point Fair of an enough. extent where we can go to. So these things are, are, are what's causing our clients problems from a purchaser's uh, perspective. From well, While you were talking yeah. about that, sorry to interrupt you yeah. there. I had few scenarios coming in as a selling agent and then representing a vendor um, in vendor's favor and in buyer favor. Mm -hmm. Now, number one um, is if the purchaser has a deferred letter, mm -hmm. the vendor can definitely fight back and or perhaps go back and forth. Where does it leave a vendor because the property is still under contract with that person and they can't sell it? Mm -hmm. I think it doesn't work out in the vendor's favor if they've purchased elsewhere and mm -hmm. they want to move on with the Correct. sale and they want right. to carry on the open for inspections. Mm -hmm. um, was this vendor not in so rush in this to situation, sell? Or in this situation, I think the agent played a massive part in this. Mm. Um, what the agent was saying to the vendor was, I have another buyer that's going to offer you more money. Uh -huh. Take you 25000 Let's re-sign. Um, so... The, the agent, I believe, was behind that scenario, uh -huh. you know, um, telling the vendor that we've got another buyer. another buyer. So I think if there's no other interested parties, it would be silly for a vendor to cancel a contract because there's, yeah. no, there's no solution. Correct. There's no result from that. Um, potentially if you have other buyers, um, you know, still interested in the property. Mm. Obviously when it's un when it's not unconditional, your agent's still looking into yeah, yeah, buyers. Yeah. yeah, you don't stop the opens. Correct, you don't stop exactly. the inquiries. So potentially you can come up with someone else yeah. that would potentially um, offer more. It's more Fair just enough. the principle. Um, I think this buyer yeah. unfortunately um, said, you know, I, I can't afford lawyers. But I if the purchaser would have said, look, I'll go silent as well. Mm -hmm. Let them take me to court. Yes, um, but vendor in a contract has more power than a buyer. Okay. So vendor would have been able to serve a notice of default and then a notice of recession, which is more money for uh -huh. the buyer to pay when they go to court. So, right. yeah, so more or less the way I work is if I find that there's no potential agreement, um, we try and find a solution that pleases right. both parties. I never leave a contract at an end. Because um, uh -huh. it just it it opens a can of worms for the buyers um, right. to potentially not be done with this deal and they have uh -huh. to go to court and fight. So, but most of the scenarios, mm. the buyers will only pay maybe ten thousand, five thousand. I actually say to my buyers, you only pay a holding deposit. The yeah. rest of the deposit pay upon unconditional. Yeah, That's exactly. the smart way because yeah. the, the vendor's not going to cancel the contract and say, "Hang or on, 5, I've got 000. for five grand." Yeah, They're not, exactly. you know. So, yeah. um, if the if I've reviewed the contract and and the clients uh, yeah. conducted their service before they've signed with mm -hmm. me, um, I give them that advice and only pay your holding enough. deposit. Yeah, and then you pay your full deposit, quite unconditional. Exactly. But there are yeah, some scenarios enough. where they do end up paying the full. Sometimes they like the property and <clears throat> or they see a lot of interest and mm. they feel everything will be fine. Correct. Sometimes what we feel now can be totally different in two weeks' time. Absolutely. A nicer stuff a buyer can be opposite. A nicer stuff a vendor can be opposite mm -hmm. in two weeks' time, depending on how the um, vendor situation is. The vendors may yeah. have purchased something. But again, that's, that's a mm. really good point. Um, I suppose from the land perspective, what's mm. happening in the land in, in Wyoming? 
Yeah, so look, this time of the year, November, December, is always a tough year for land development. Uh-huh. Um, so for example, if you have purchased a subdivision land that's titling in November, December, developers are very, very strict on the extension request. Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> I think this is what's occurred, again, because of the interest rates, a lot uh-huh. of buyers can't settle. Now, obviously right. in development... Um, in these type of contracts is unconditional, so you obviously can't pull out. So what right. clients are looking at doing is nominations. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen more nominations than I have this year alone wow. um, because of the current market, because wow, of the okay. current interest rate issue as well, So that because of the borrowing capacity, should I say. Okay. Um, so we're seeing a lot of um, files fall through because of finance, uh-huh. um, and what they try and do is nominate. Now, developers are very open at nominations. Okay. Um, so I haven't really had developers being very strict in nominations right. unless the clause in the contract does relate to either related parties' nominations. Okay. The issue for us that we're facing is the extension times. So potentially clients uh, can get finance. They need more time because, again, right. banks. So banks, yeah. after the 15th of December, they start to slow down. There's not as much staff working. Yeah. Um, there's potentially no new applications being submitted through because there's no <laughs> one there. So they're very skeleton staff, of course. Yeah. So a lot of clients are, are trying to extend and developers right. um, are not extending. Right, um, gotcha. But the other thing that also gets faced as well is depending on the conditions of contracts, in most development mm. contracts, um, they'll have a land tax clause. Uh, and this land tax clause is that if they don't settle within December, yeah, obviously if it moves to Dece- to January, developers obviously got to pay land tax on that new year. Yeah, you're talking mm. about a land tax. So, mm. so is it is it for is it for real that if the purchaser delays the settlement, then mm-hmm. the developers could potentially make them pay Absolutely. that? Absolutely, it's happened to me many times. Um, okay. There's a condition in the contract that basically says that if you don't settle within that financial okay. year. Um, and you move on to the next, obviously automatically developers okay. going to get charged land tax. Right. It is at the buyer's right that they need to pay a portion of that land tax. So I had one client wow. a few years ago, he got stuck with paying $7,000 of land tax. So luckily wow. this client could afford, or should I say, have that availability, because not a lot of clients would just have a random $7,000 sitting, sitting in their bank there. account. and Especially the first home yeah. buyer, for example, depending mm. on everyone's uh, financial situation. Yeah. And especially the ones who are finding it hard to even settle the block. That's right. Yeah. So it's a very... So it works say for an example i'm a purchaser mm. and and i'm not able to settle somehow mm. my finance advisor my broker or my banker mm. has made things work and i can settle mm. and there's seven thousand dollars due to settle as well is mm. it due to settle on the same day on settlement yes yeah, so at settlement you have to oh, pay wow. seven thousand so they'll add it as an adjustment so on top of your balance purchase price so you're going to have that seven thousand and if i don't have that seven but i can settle today Developer won't settle because it's part of the condition of the contract. So when you're signing, you're agreeing to all of that information. So again, this is, and I think we touch on this majority in every podcast, Mm. is always get your development contracts reviewed. They are three to 400 pages. Always get that reviewed because in development contracts compared to a normal sale or purchase, it's completely different. different, There's so many conditions. And look, not all developers Uh do do this. Um, I think in the area of suburb where we are, they do do it. Um, but not every it doesn't happen to all developers. And I suppose mm. many of the clients that I know, they would go to the developer's office mm-hmm. thinking that this is just um, like you walk into a business for an example. Mm-hmm. You walk in, this is how it is. We can't change it. Sometimes that's a mindset as well. That's based on the feedback I've received. That oh well, that's the standard contract for a developer. Mm-hmm. No, but again, you're still signing a dotted line. You still get a check from your solicitor without reviewing the contract, some people either get excited. Again, at the same time, personally, mm. as much as I can, mm-hmm. that's just my my, my yeah. personal way of investing in real estate. I would not hold 
or I would not wait and get my money 10%, even if it's 10, 20,000, I can better invest somewhere else. I would not buy a block of land and then wait for three years to settle and then something that I cannot assess or make that's sure That's the it will thing happen. with development, yeah, that's the thing. And look, they can go and get a pre-approval before yeah. they sign, but financial circumstances will change, change in three yeah. years. So the clients that, yeah. you know, you, you, your partner could fall on maternity leave and then yeah. they can't work, so there's no exactly. income there. Um, someone Anything could become can very sick. Anything can yeah. happen. You can yeah. lose your job, especially Correct. in COVID situation. Yeah. So many clients lost their jobs yeah. and they can't, they couldn't yeah. borrow. So um, developers don't, in a harsh way, they don't actually care. They yeah. want to settle. They want to get their money and they want to go on to their new development. Exactly. So in development contracts, when you are buying something within the three to four years, yeah, sometimes even okay. five years, they put the sunset clause. Wow. It's a very open situation. It's a very difficult financial aspect. There was some changes Dan Andrews mm. brought in for sunset clause. What was that? Something happened with sunset clause. I think they um, either revoked it or they said it could be revoked in the court because some, something was there like a couple, mm. a couple of years ago. It was something. But we'll, we'll review that later. Yeah. Um, but sunset clause is the cheekiest one, isn't it? Yeah. The recent change that has happened, um, it's still yet to be approved by okay. state by state parliament, is that land tax and windfall tax um, okay. transfer. So basically, right. if you, for example, have a windfall tax, uh, you're not able to, normally you'd be able to transfer that windfall tax to uh -huh. your buyer. Right. You can, uh, they're trying to prove that you can no longer do that. Right. Um, you'll have to pay it as is. And when that buyer takes over, there's no tax. So it's very right. good for a purchaser's perspective, okay. even land tax as well. Right. So potentially what we're talking about with this development uh -huh. may go away if this law gets approved. Right. So it's still yet to be approved in state law. Gotcha. Um, so they will not be able to transfer the land tax uh -huh. over to a buyer. Right. Um, they've got to simply pay it. So it's not a positive thing, obviously, for a vendor if they have a large por investment portfolio. Right. But it's a good thing for the buyers, which I think uh -huh. that is a big um, saving as well because sometimes land tax can be right. depending on um, there, but yeah, it's yeah, okay. that, that's something that's um, hopefully going to come in the new year. They'll, they'll apply that as of January, right. so depending on if it's going to be approved. So with the land tax, some of yep. the times the purchasers make a special condition in, mm -hmm. in our contract on established mm -hmm. properties that the vendors to be liable to pay and settle all the land yep. tax. How does that work if that condition is not there? If I settle the property in December and Jan, I receive a tax bill, or land tax, mm -hmm. as a purchaser, do I have to pay that? So basically there are two things. So in a, in, in a contract, a conveyancer can put um, no condition, uh -huh. which means all the buyer has to pay is, for example, if I'm settling in January, uh -huh. I've now been reassessed for 2024 land tax, right. or I've got to pay from settlement date until that land tax okay. date. So you've got to split the payment. Whereas right. if there is a condition in the contract which says it's not on a single holding basis, uh -huh. which means that when land tax debate comes through, if this vendor has four investment properties with four different land tax, right. they will combine the full figure and the buyer will have to pay that oh, amount. Wow. So when we, when we review contracts and we see that land tax notice there, that is when we let the buyer know, say, look, have sufficient funds available because if this vendor does not pay, which they definitely will not pay until settlement because yeah. they know that they're going to get that money back from the buyer, yes. um, keep that available. So we, we always try and remove that condition where they put but then, not in a single holding. But then why? I mean, mm. yes, I'm not saying who's mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm, what's right mm -hmm. or wrong. But as a purchaser, mm. I'm buying the asset. I'm paying the value mm. of the asset. Mm. Why should I be liable to pay that? That's the question even with conveyances. I don't think it's a very fair condition. And okay. when we heard that this new law was coming out where they, it's non-transferable, yeah. I was actually so happy <laughs> because a lot of, especially first-time buyers, they say, Shania, why am I paying land tax when, when it's owner-occupied? 
I know the same question is you have to, yeah. um, but definitely you won't get assessed again when they reassess you with yeah. the SRO because they know that it's owner occupied. So right. when, we're, when we're looking at a, a vendor, especially if they're a foreign investor uh-huh. or interstate investor and they've got a lot of properties and yeah. they do pay land tax, it's right. something that the buyer doesn't need to be made aware of. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There's, there's so much on in the contracts that you have to sort of review as well. Yeah, absolutely. So much on. That's why we express to always get it reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> in, in terms of the property market as such, mm. what I feel buyers are definitely out there, but they're a yeah. lot more cautious at the Correct. moment. A yep. lot more cautious. Um, the assets which are in demand or suiting the lifestyle mm. have no relation to what's the interest rates doing at the moment or what the financial circumstance of the purchases. Mm-hmm. I think the upper end of the market is mm-hmm. certainly performing well. Correct. And even the lower quartile of the market is doing pretty well. It's the the one in the middle, there's, there's certainly some sort of pushback. Um, and across the country, a lot of people have said exactly the same thing. But again, it doesn't apply to all the properties in mm. every marketplace no, as well. Not. Buyers have mm. fallen off mm-hmm. in, in a certain price bracket. Yeah. There's certainly, you look at properties above 1.2, 1.3, you'll have plenty. Correct. And they're getting fair and reasonable or above market price. Mm -hmm. And then you have properties from 400,000 all the way up to nine. Mm -hmm. Anything in that middle has a little bit of pushback because someone who cannot go above 1.1, 1.2 or someone who can only go with that sort of price range, but then they want a specific type of a house because that's the only thing that they can pay. So either the options are less because ideally they want this kind of a property, but they don't have a budget at the moment. Mm. So they will take time to make a decision. Correct. As well, because they have now come from either ups, they are either upsizing or they've gone up with their budgets from here to here, or they've pushed the numbers from either 800 to 951 mil, for example. But psychologically, they're not convincing or they're not convinced to sort of say, okay, well, that's one I need to settle for this mm. because I can't buy this big house mm. or multiple bedrooms with en suites, yeah. for example. This is our point cook trend. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm looking at at the moment. So those properties are taking a little longer at the moment to it's, sell. It's, look, Jess, it's, it's very up and down. Mm. Um, so I have some clients buying, you know, up in Bentley, Turak, yeah. Clyde. The market there is completely different to where the western right. side is. Even up in, like I had a client looking at, she came to me about four or five months ago uh-huh. looking at a property. At, they're all, all auctions down that end yeah. um, up in Bentley. And she was unable to secure a property because they were just going way above the reserve. Like wow. they were skyrocketing. Then what she found within the six-month turnaround is she's now noticing that the auctions are falling through. Uh-huh. So she was actually she actually just secured her property last Saturday, right? Um, at auction? Below the reserve, reserve at wow. auction, just over the reserve. Sorry, should I say at auction? Mm-hmm. And she just couldn't believe it. So when I hear stories like that, and then I look at the western side yeah. and say, okay, it, 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 I think it, it's all depending on the client and mm. the vendor. As you would know, I, what I feel at the moment is vendors do have very high expectations yeah. on property pricing. Um, Potentially this market now is not a bad idea for the buyers to go in because we know that the property market pricing, anything below that million to 1.1 million is potentially at a good Mm. price. Um, 
so it's not as bad for a buyer to secure. That's gold. Yeah, That's it's gold. not it's not bad for a buyer, yeah. but then what's making the buyer concerned is the media about the interest rates. Yeah. There's a lot of media work going on which confuses a client. Correct. Until they speak to the physical professionals, yeah. then they get more of an insight on what's happening. See, so, the data and the number is so yeah. critical. Sometimes we hear and or we hear news from the Uber driver, what yeah. they say, yeah. is that I'm, I'm driving and then this person saying, oh, this would happen, that would happen. That person will either tell you the market's going to go up or mm. it's it's a bad time, nothing is selling. And people are taking assessments. The ones who are not in real estate mode or have never sold or bought, mm-hmm. they sometimes see, everyone has got their own expectation in mind, being a neighbor and that neighbor is potentially Uber driver. For an example, person sees a board on the in front of the house for about six weeks, mm. could be under offer. And then they'll say, wow, it's been six weeks, it hasn't sold. Mm. He'll be telling that to everybody, That's right. right? Without knowing what goes in the background. Mm. It could be under contract. It could There could be some issues with the contract. Vendors or purchasers could be fighting on something. Mm. There's so many things that go in the background, right? And then that person would potentially believe because now that purchaser or potential buyer has already subconsciously made that decision and he's just reaffirming or reconfirming the same thing from a third party, Right just like Google reviews, that we actually mm. feel more comfortable when okay. someone else says it, mm-hmm. not our professional mm-hmm. says that Correct. sometimes, Correct. right? Um, it is a great time, especially in a buyer's market when buyers are a bit more vulnerable that they would need to mm. pay more if they don't and the vendors mm. have an upper hand. To some extent, I'd say that, yes, there is, uh, buyers could control the process, yes, mm. if, if, the agent and the vendors are not on the same page and smart enough mm. to either market their property well mm-hmm. and price the property well. Yeah. And or if they have priced the property a little higher than what it should be mm. and they don't look into the eyes and say, I stuffed up mm-hmm. or this is not working, mm-hmm. let's readjust it mm-hmm. or perhaps let's realign it so we can at least attract competition. Yeah. The worst thing for a buyer is to see more than five people at the open for inspection mm-hmm. and feeling that they'll have some competition. And as an agent, we train ourselves on body language, on what people are saying and picking up keywords and hints from the mm. conversation and then asking questions. We never jump into a conversation making statements straight away. Mm-hmm. That's just how... Now I've become as well. Sometimes my wife says to me if I'm talking to her saying, I'm not your buyer or client, so <laughs> come straight to the point with me. She asked me, oh, how was it? I was like, um, um, I would say, I answer with a question. She's like, give me the straight answer. Right? But that's, that's how the question. Sometimes the buyers would come and ask, and, and a case study at uh, 10 Virgil is a classic example. Uh, I'll come on that later. But when the property is priced well, People are comparing your property mm-hmm. with other houses mm-hmm. in the area. Mm-hmm. And for what they're looking for, the value they are seeking, if your house is good, you're in a great market in, in terms of the location and or that location has got demand, the purchaser would then judge you on price. Mm. If your price is right, not saying you should lower your expectations, however, you know, look at what's in your competition. When I sold my property as an agent and vendor, mm. I did not go on the market with what I wanted to achieve. I want a million dollars, right? But that's not the reality. Mm. I went in the market and said, okay, well, this is A, B, C, and D houses. 
in the market in my competition, and I know for a fact that if I don't price it correctly, they'll see better value in that property, even though mine is better in terms of fixed and fittings. So you would be the last in the list and you have leftover buyers. Mm. Are the leftover buyers the best ones? No, probably, maybe, maybe not. Sometimes they would be because if they have missed out on a property and they have an urgency to purchase, yes, they would then convince themselves to pay the fair and reasonable price, mm. right? And that's what I say to the buyers as well. Mm. Don't miss out by 10, 20,000. That's right. And, and I, I truly believe mm. that if you have a very good relationship with your agent, yeah. you trust your agent, and this agent really prices your property correctly, yeah. you will sell. 100%. You will sell and you will sell quickly. And you you could sell for higher price. Correct. If you really, and I think especially for the listeners, is trust your agent, mm. do your research. Yeah. You know, you may get an agent door knocking and say, oh, I can get you, you know, way more money than this and mm. I've sold this much. And it happens to everyone. I get door knocks. Yeah. You know, you probably get door knocks. Like it's yeah. just, you know, and the attitude of your agent, the relationship mm. you have with your vendor, I think plays a huge, huge part. Yeah. If this agent does very good advertising, very good um, crunching of, of where your property yeah. market value is worth, yeah. you will sell. 100%. And you will get your best buyers. I truly believe that. That is so true. Mm. Um, on that, mm. I would like to share a case study. Mm. And I want your feedback on that as well. Yeah. If you were to sell a house, which is circa 850 to nine, say mm. close to a million dollars, mm. you know your property is so good. You know your house has got all the upgrades people mm-hmm. want. Would you take a photo on your mobile phone and post it online and thinking they would have to come in and have a look anyways? Mm. Or would you get the best photographer mm-hmm. to present it well on the media? What would you do? I would want the best. If yeah. I want my property to sell, yeah. I want the best. Yeah. So that's the answer mm. um, because I noticed your property in Point Cook mm-hmm. without going into much details. Mm. Mobile phone photos, I spoke to the vendor. They're like, well, what's the point having professional photography when people would have to come? It's just to give an idea only. Mm. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't understand the commentary I get from clients mm. about them, especially buyers, <clears throat> saying they refer a lot to the advertisement that the agent puts on. So if yeah. there's something in the property, whatever they they complaining about something, they refer back to your photos. Yeah, I feel like if you value your business enough, you yeah. value the quality of work that you do. Correct. You would do the best. Correct. For your client. Yes. Same as though we would. I would ensure that I'm providing mm. the best interest to my exactly. client. My, yes, yes, I'm making money out of my client. Yes. You're making commission Correct. out of your client. Exactly. But it's about the customer service. Exactly. And the experience, experience for your yeah. client. If exactly. you're not giving your vendor an experience, yeah. why are they going to come back and 100%. sell your property? Even with the buyers. Yeah. Some some professionals that I've seen in the industry completely leave the buyers out. Yeah. Um, it's also good to keep a relationship with the buyers because yeah. you could potentially get a buyer yeah. selling their property in the future exactly. and come back. Yeah. So it's about, I, I really truly believe it's about that customer communication yeah. and experience. I'll tell you a story. When you said experience, um, I'm traveling overseas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my travel agent said, because we were not able to work out the times and the stays <laughs> and the layovers, right? Mm. And I was playing fly Qantas. And then he said, "There's with, with all due respect to Scoot, mm. it's like Scoot's available. They've got better timings. Mm. But you don't, don't get late. They will not let you in. They have, you have to buy your own food, right? Mm. You have to pay extra for the luggage. Mm. And 
knowing the service levels, I can still travel, but would it be a great experience? <clears throat> I use that exact exact um, exact example with the with the guys in the office. Mm. You're looking at it's like an Apple product. We mm. all know Apple is amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Am I going to go and buy a HSTC phone or yeah. am I going to go and buy an Apple? What are the and two options? More, yeah. you're gonna, yes, you're going to pay yeah. more for an Apple, exactly. but you know the service that's being provided is Correct. going to be at an experience. Exactly. So the same way works in real estate, I, I truly believe. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And um, in, in terms of the vendors, what, what I'm recommending at the moment is the stock levels are a little higher, arguably lower at the same time mm. because – it's a great time to sell, given mm. the fact that majority of the properties in majority of the suburbs are rental properties, right? Um, the ones who have been purchased by landlords and they're now either the land taxes plus the interest rate hike, rents are not enough, they have a bad tenant, they had a bad experience with the property management agent from the last one or two years. They've changed agents, but then they are not getting that great service. They just have a bad experience with that investment as well, mm. they would be on the market by now. A lot of them are. Mm. And then the vendors who are owner-occupiers, they're not selling that much mm. at the moment. The ones who are selling, in my experience, is the one um, which obviously circumstantial, which happens in any market, tree change, tree sea change. Mm. People are moving for schools, upsizing, downsizing, mm. debt, divorce, or uh, health issues or financial issues. These things happen, right? Mm. And there's no bad time as such to sell a property as long as you follow the few steps. We had this auction at 10 Virgil Street, right? The one I was talking to you about. Classic example. Now, and I and I really thank that client to sort of trust in us. Mm. Given the fact that he was in Sydney, mm -hmm. right? Property was in the market before for three months with someone, right? Not their fault as well. I would not mm. fault that agent. Mm. I would fault the price, mm. what they were asking, mm -hmm versus the property's presentation. Mm -hmm. And there was circa between 880 to 920 at that time. Mm -hmm. And now didn't happen. Plus the experience as well. The client called up and said, I'm not getting any updates. I have to chase for updates. I was not getting any phone call back. I was not getting any offers. And remember, uh, when you when you can't extract an offer, you're lacking some skills mm -hmm. That he, as, as a good agent, as a good practitioner, it's really easy to extract an offer yep. from a buyer mm -hmm. and get that in writing as well if you know how to do it. Mm. And no offers, the vendors will, would blame the agent. And they, they are to be blamed because their job is to bring offers to the vendors, right? Mm -hmm. um, no offers, nothing happened. The experience was the main problem. The agent mm. was not an issue for the vendor. Mm -hmm. He wanted a sale. He didn't want the agent some people want the property. They don't want finance. Mm. If they can skip that part, mm -hmm. they would. Yeah. But it's part and parcel. Correct. So there was a breaking point. The vendor was like, you take over. Now, for us to be able to get that, and I said to the vendor, um, we sat down in the team and we had a discussion. This needs to be done. So some changes. So we had some estimates come over from handyman and maintenance people. We, we changed the color of the facade. Completely mm. paint, mm -hmm. cos all cosmetic, mm. right? And flooring under ten thousand dollars. The whole house was yep. changed upside down. Yeah, right. Everything was spotlight curtains. Mm. You, you don't really have to go and buy. Of course, a, above and beyond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
and it was a completely different look than mm. the pricing. So we did not price the house at eight eighty to nine twenty mm. at that time. We went seven eighty mm-hmm. to eight sixty. Mm-hmm. The vendor's expectation was somewhere around sort of eight forty mark, mm-hmm. and the vendor was also prepared to sort of go five or ten here and mm. there if, in case, the deal's getting done, mm-hmm. given the current market situation. And the property went for eight eighty five. Now, not because what we've done, it's because the vendor trusted the process. The vendor let us do the presentation. He trusted the process and the pricing. Mm-hmm. Competition was there. So all we did, so people don't understand if it's an auction sometimes, with all due respect, is if you do everything correctly and then your agent is pretty much your project manager, mm. you pretty much have to, put, not push is the right word, perhaps encourage the buyers to bid to secure the house. They'll do rest of the job for you. Correct. Exactly that. Because if they want something and they see value, people would actually go higher mm. than what they can just because... They don't have to spend money, for an example, and it's in the right school zone. They can see the social proof that others have seen the same value. Mm -hmm. And even though it's going beyond what they feel is a market value of the property, if others are bidding, there's some relevance for them to say, okay, well, that's comforting that that person's willing to pay 20 more than what I thought it's worth. Let's just put another five. If you have two or three, five bids, you're getting an extra 15 grand. Correct. So... That was a classic example, and I'm super happy. You know what the client said to me after? And sometimes it's, it's as an agent, you need to know people are going through stuff right now. Mm. <clears throat> and the vendor was like, thanks, I now can tell my wife to stop doing two more jobs, just hold on to the uh, that, that's property. that's the best feedback. Yeah. It's the best exactly. feedback. Because not only have you done your job properly, yeah. you've also assisted financially Correct. that client. And uh, what would be their mental health like? Mm. That's when right. they were discussing at home, yeah. how are we going to manage? That's right. And that's the difference. You find you find professionals that care about the personality yeah. and care about the feelings yeah. of that client. Exactly. But then there are also the other side of professionals that don't care. They just yeah. want to sell and that's it. Yeah. And same thing with conveyances. They just want a, a settlement and that's it. Yeah. So it, it's all about the service. It's all about what you respect your business to be. Correct. And I believe that for the listeners, you need to trust your professionals. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. If you have any questions, please let us know. We're always here to help and assist. Shania, thank you so much for coming over. That's okay. My pleasure. I will start the next one. So we're about 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. before how you got into mm-hmm. When the recording comes in, we'll just cut. That's why I took a break. Yep. Cut. Next one. So Shania, tell me, how did you get in conveyancing? What were you doing before? Um, tell us about how you got in, how, why conveyancing mm, and mm, how. Yeah. So look, basically from where it all started, um, my parents were builders themselves. Mm-hmm. So oh, nice. we were already in the industry, should I yep. say. And as a little girl, I always went with my mum to the conveyancer. Right. Um, to the, when they went to go see the conveyancer. And I said, mum, I want to... 
I want to be her, not actually understanding at that age what she did. I just right. said, I want to be like her. And um, as soon as I finished school, I um, got a job opportunity, um, which was a receptionist at a conveyancing firm. Nice. So I, I feel like I just fell in that industry for a passion. Universe listened to you. Yeah. So I feel like I, you know, and uh, being a receptionist, I thought, you know, it's just an admin job. Let, yeah. It's a good test to see whether I, I like the industry and yeah. do I want to get into the industry. Um, and then obviously I went across to uni and did a business degree. Um, and then basically I got a further opportunity from there when they sold the business. Okay. And those new buyers for that business um, said, we're happy to take you on as a full-time conveyancer. So nice. that was a big step for me because um, right. obviously I was still quite young okay. um, at that time and I was a little bit nervous. Um, mm. But I had the right guidance behind me. Okay. I had the right education um, and professionals to teach me. So yeah. um, basically conveyancing has been the only industry I've ever worked in. Right. Um, but with conveyancing, it's a very abroad con- industry. You learn a lot about property markets. Yeah. You learn a lot about developments, um, builders. So it's a very True. open open um, industry to work in. So I started off like that um, and then I unfortunately got made redundant. Oh. Um, that business did not um, go through and I got made redundant. Uh, that was very, very harsh on me um, because, again, that was the only industry I mm. knew. I didn't know anything right. else. Right. Um, so I took a few months off um, and then I decided to study again. Uh-huh. So I went and done a further business degree. Uh-huh. Um, and then out of the blue, I applied for an application and I got accepted. And that was when I started at this firm, Credit Hub. Right. So I started off with them. Um, it's been about five, mm-hmm. coming on to six years now. Right. Um, so I started off with them just as a conveyancer, a side right. conveyancer. Um, after I finished my business degree, I then decided that I wanted to go for my license. Gotcha. So I applied for my license. Um, of course, that that's a two-year mentorship nice. as well. Yeah. Um, so obviously I was mentored. Um, and then once you, once I got my license, I then, um, continued to work as normal. It doesn't change. You just end up yeah, signing off exactly, yourself. Yeah. Um, nothing changes. And then I was given the opportunity to, um, become a director of the firm. So wow. in quickness, that's all, everything that's happened. Um, but I want to dig a bit more deeper on, yeah, on my feelings. It. I want to d- dig it. Um, uh, basically, and we're getting very personal here. No, that, that's good. That's what you want. Which is what we want. We want the listeners to understand. Yeah. So um, while I was at school, I had a very difficult time. Mm. Um, being a female, um, there's a lot of bulliness yeah. going on at school. Um, so I unfortunately was capturing a lot of that. So I had right. a lot of male friends more than what female friends right. were. Um, but that only made me so strong. Yeah. I feel like if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have the personality that I yeah. had. So coming into school, um, I wasn't a very high graded person. Okay. You know, I wasn't an A plus student, right. didn't like school, didn't like doing paperwork, didn't yeah. like doing homework, just wasn't about it. Gotcha. I then got to year 11 um, and decided I'm going to continue to do year 12. I'm going to yep. finish. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to do exams. Right. So I was lucky enough to be a part of a um, trial for unscored VCE. Uh-huh. So I was able to get into unscored VCE um, where it's more job opportunity based. Gotcha. More or less, they, they show you how to prepare yourself for work nice. and for the future. So I'm glad that I did that because yeah. that is how I stepped foot wow. into the industry um, ever since then, I don't have any regrets. I don't believe that doing exams and getting an ATAS score can stop you from 100%. being what you want to be. Exactly. Um, and obviously this is attacking potentially more of a younger generation mm. on our, of our viewers. Um, doing exams, doing, you know, your highest maths, your highest yeah. English, your highest legal studies. Yeah. 
that is all for school. Exactly. When you become into the real world, there's a lot of different maths, different yeah, formulas, different <laughs> different ways of communicating. Um, and I feel like doing Unschooled VCE um, has made me be who I am. Yeah. You know, at the age of 19, I was able to afford my own home, um, nice. able to buy my own car. There so those things from yeah. school really teach you life ahead yeah. of you. Good thing is, yes, I obviously had supportive parents. Um, my parents are very hardworking um, and they were, you know, born here and yeah. raised here. So they obviously nice. lived the non-European life because yeah. <laughs> it's very different overseas. So you um, haven't gone through, through that? No, I haven't. I haven't <laughs> gone through it. Um, I have I have seen what it's like. And when I, and as you know, I went overseas um, mid this year and, and I got a true insight of how lucky we are yeah. in this country, 100%. Um, especially with work, um, yeah. wages, how much we get paid. Um, lifestyle. lifestyle and I think over the years that I've worked at the start of course as a young adult mm. you're saying I just want to make as much money as I can mm. I just want to make money so I can live this fancy lifestyle yeah. and live this and live that as I got on into the industry um, my mindset completely changed yeah it's not about making money yeah. it's about the relationship building Correct. that you have within your firm exactly. and I think that's the reason why our business yeah. is so well developed and why um, you have a name out in the market. Exactly. Um, if you do it that way, I feel like you're going to exceed more in life. Exactly. You're going to end up making money by not realizing. Hundred percent. That makes sense. Yeah. So you're you're not focused on the monetary making. Exactly. You're actually focused on, on the, the process, the process and, the and the clients and the relationship yeah. building that you'll have mm. the money making in the end. Exactly. So that was the mindset that I took um, out. But I've I've yeah. always been in this industry. Um, because my parents were in the industry themselves, mm. I wanted to carry over something. Um, construction or building wasn't really my thing. I, right. I, as a female, I didn't feel like that I fitted into that gotcha. industry. So I, I turned around and said, okay, well, what other industries loop out of construction yeah. um, and real estate? I, I did consider going into real estate when I got right. made redundant. Um, I did get offered an opportunity to get into real estate. Yeah. Um, I didn't take it because I, I felt like I wasn't ready for real estate. Right. Real estate to conveyancing is completely different in a uh -huh. sense. Yes, the industries work alongside each other, but it's a totally different 100%. procedure, totally different mindset, exactly. totally different way of conducting a sale. 100%. And because it was something that I didn't know, I didn't want to jump in and take it. Mm. So that's how I fell into conveyancing. I wouldn't change it for the world. 100%. I see myself being in this industry for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, in the eight years that I've been here, um, the markets changed completely. Yeah. You know, from paper settlements to PEXA, PEXA from you know sales that it was going above eighty to ninety thousand yeah. to you know sales that have come with interest wow. rate rises. So I've been through it. I've seen the ups and downs, um, and I think that's what makes you Ryan. do better. Yeah. and provide better service because you've seen what's happened. Exactly. You know, in, in paper settlements, it was completely crazy. Yeah. Like, it was insane. I learned in paper settlements. That's why I find PEXA very, very easy and I love <laughs> PEXA um, because in paper settlements, it was very, very stressful. Right. Um, more paperwork. Not only more paperwork, it's running around in the city yeah. and doing settlements here and doing settlements on Collins Street, Flinders Street, whatever. Yeah. Like, it was very, very um, crazy. So, it's good, PEXA. Yes, it took away the customer relationship because you didn't have to see your clients to right. get documents signed. But of course, that's the nowadays. That, that's exactly. that's now how it is now. Digital. Everything's electronic. Yeah. You know, you, you have kids going to school and they've got MacBooks that, yeah. you know, in year five. Yeah. Like yeah. They're learning off computers. So Correct. it's the new day and age now and yeah. we've utilised that. But of course, you want to bring in your old, your old style. So, what yeah. does Shania like to do if she's not mm. in front of a computer or a contract? 
I'm very family orientated. Yeah. I'm very family. So um, the moment that I leave the office, I'm, I rush to get home. I obviously look forward to seeing my partner. Um, and we just utilize our time. You know, he, he's obviously running his own business as well as an electrician. And that's also crazy. Um, good thing is that the industries fall into each other as well. So where we can assist each other, we can, um, I'm very family orientated. I love going away on trips. Um, I love going on holidays. I love going to the gym. Nice. I find the gym is my my place where I can relieve all the relieve stress. all the stress, yeah. um, and get happiness and and see results. And so, gym is also my travel buddy, I guess. There you go. There you <laughs> um, go. But yeah, look, it's uh, having a stressful job. You can't really do much on the side because yeah, gym is mine stops. too. But I don't like to see it every day. <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm the same, to be honest. It, it's all about how much you have on your plate. Um, yeah. In this industry, it doesn't stop. You know, yeah. you may finish at five o'clock, exactly. but you're still going at nine o'clock, Are 10 you, o'clock. It, it, it doesn't stop. I was thinking this last night. Last night I got home mm. at 10.30 mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, Jazz, like, you got to give yourself a bit of a break. Um, at least after nine, you have to have a mm. set time. My left part of my brain was like, nah, keep going hard, mm. <laughs> right? And then, and my right side was talking to my left side of the brain saying, yeah. man, if I have, if there was another day in the week, you would not stop working. And then I was like, yeah, my, I was listening to both sides of my brain. It was crazy. It's mm. funny to say how, like it but was. That's, it's really important work-life balance. I think when I first started yeah. in the industry, I didn't have work-life balance. It was all yeah. just work, work, work. I got very, very sick. Okay. Um, I got very stressed and, um, you know, we did a lot of medical stuff and they've just turned around and said, Shania, you're working too much. Yeah. You're not work-life balancing yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started to fit in this gym as well because I felt like going to the gym, I was wor- yeah. you know, work-life balancing. And I think over the years that you work in your um, mm. industry, you learn how to work-life mm. balance. And I always try and teach the staff in the office. It's really important, you know. Yeah. It's not good to sit on your chair from nine to five. Go out for a walk. 100%. Go out for a coffee. Exactly. Um, go run up and down your stairs. Like it's just you need to you have, have a break. F- especially if you're office, mm. if you're in the office environment. Mm. So, there, there's again, mm. depending on who you listen to, some mm. people say it's twenty five minutes and go for a ten minutes walk. Mm. Sometimes it's forty five minutes and yeah. and fifteen minutes yeah. walk or stand up and yeah. do something else. Yeah. Um, that makes you more productive. But again, whatever works for you, I guess. Everyone is different. You know, yeah. um, I, well, the, the change we've made and we've found that the guys love it, mm. we've actually bought everyone standing desks. Yeah. So it's a desk that you can bring up and down. That is cool. And I love it. Like, yeah. you know, sitting in an office, you're always sitting down. Correct. You know, why not stand up and work? You know? Exactly. And we found that the guys have really loved it, not only because they can stand yeah. and stretch their legs. I'm looking forward but to it. But I think that's amazing. That's yeah. the best uh, investment that we've made with the guys and they love it. Yeah. And it's just something you know being being a business owner it's something that you can you have to give do this. to your office 100%. you know you need to bring in that worth life balance because i think it's the excitement that people would come in you you have to keep not reinventing the wheel or change everything i guess but something that excites your staff and team mm, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we're going to do in early jan when we come back yeah. from holidays yeah that's exactly what our plans mm. in the office is as well <clears throat> plus Standing sit stand desks actually make more room in the office as well. Yeah. They are really smart. They've got drawers in build, they've yep. got everything, yep. and then they take less space as well. Correct. And nowadays all you need is your computer mouse. I don't like too much on my desk as well. Yeah. I yeah. want it really clean Correct. and just one or two Correct. things. Yeah. That that's that's how that's I exactly like as right. well. So I think that that's worked really, really well. Um and it's important 
to teach your employees mm. that, um, yes, grind hard, work hard, yeah. but there's also an opportunity to have your breaks. Correct. I can't sit in front of a computer and go nine till five. 100%. I can't. I no. have to stand up, Correct. go to the bathroom, grab a drink of water, yeah. grab a coffee, 100%. go for a walk, enjoy the sun. Yeah. Um, I find that it, it helps my work. 100%. You know, yes, 100%. your brain doesn't stop ticking, but- you're helping it. It is what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jazz, I'm interested to learn a bit about you and how you got into real estate. You know, oh, yeah. wow. Tell me. Me. Okay. Um, I have to go back many, many years now. <laughs> many, many, many years. <coughs> uh, when I was back home in India, right, um, real estate to some extent had been an industry that I wanted. I always wanted to be mm-hmm. in. A lot of my friends um, – are from agricultural and uh, farming background. Mm-hmm. They own a lot of pieces of real mm-hmm. estate um, or many of them are finances and they run real estate businesses as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I used to see the lifestyle. For me at that time when I used to see it versus when I used to see my dad grinding, he's got a textile mm. business, right? So I used to see my friend's parents sitting in the office doing nothing mm. and still um, – they're pretty much um, selling and doing real estate. Mm. And I used to think, wow, I like this lifestyle. I like this lifestyle. You come to the office, you do nothing. There's there's (laughs) nothing else in the office. You just sit on the chair and making money. Yeah. I also didn't realize that what else goes in the background, right? But by the looks of it, Mm. by the sounds Mm. of it, it was like, great. Uh, 3 p.m., my friend's ready to go Mm. um, shopping and we we Mm. could do, he had a really great lifestyle. Mm. It's just the lifestyle they were having as well. Mm -hmm. That was one of the reasons. So again, that went on the back burner. But what needed to be in real estate, I personally feel, is being able to talk to people. So I've been really outgoing since the school time when I was young as well. Um, And thanks to my parents again for letting me uh, not attend the classes and attend and, and participate in all the uh, yearly functions and mm-hmm. and um, all the stand-up uh, comedy or perhaps other um, school events mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So I used to practice a lot and then I used to, we used to have yearly annual function in the school, yeah. what we call it. And I used to participate. I used to be on stage. That got my fear out of public mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. and also a uh, bit more confidence in myself overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably straight six, seven years I've been participating because the reason, again, I was not a bright student mm-hmm. in the class mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. One primary reason was to actually miss and skip the class <laughs> and practice for a whole day. Yeah. Yeah. And then we used to get a bit of a recognition and then extra scores to sort of mm. get through the exams as well. So that's one of the, the reasons as well. And I was never shy of the phone. Mm-hmm since the starting and I, uh, I would pick up the phone and talk to anyone when I was young as well. And this is exactly what I say to people. If you want to be successful in real estate, you need to build relationships. Fastest way to build relationship in your community is either door knocking or perhaps speaking to them on the phone after 10th or fourth or fifth, depending on the person's personality, they would start getting to know you mm. combined with other activities that you do. Um, that blended in really well. It actually fell into its place automatically, slowly. Then I got into this country um, after finishing uni over there. Did my, my my another uni here, and then I was lucky to be able to sort of. I did a lot of odd jobs in the starting as well when I came to this country. Right, um, I landed. I had no one. I knew no one in this nation. Mm. Like literally, I landed and I had a I had address to go to. Yep. And I went to that house. Nice people. They were there. 
I lived with them for a few years and then thereafter I started picking up a few jobs here and there. Um, and then I finally got into a business I was working with. Uh, they owned property development firm mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I got really close with them. We had a really good relationship. So they offered me a job in property mm-hmm. development. And I had no idea about, I knew real estate, but I had no idea what property development is. Mm. I always used to ask him, I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a developer. I said, uh, but yeah, but what do you do though? That's <laughs> true, good point. <laughs> so, but what do you do? He said, I, I develop properties. Mm. And I always used to question myself, what is it like he develops? Mm. Like property is property already. Yeah. And because majority of people would not know unless you know a little bit more about or you, you research into it. Mm. When I got into the office and I learned elf business we call effortless, mm-hmm. lucrative and yep. fun business. Yep. And he used to work out of the home office and then I used to ask him, I said, where's your office? Mm-hmm. Pre-COVID, everyone used to think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if you're working from home, hey, yep. where's your office? Yep. And he's like, well, I don't need an office. I said, but why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to question him a lot. Yeah. Like, but why? And he's like, because of this. I said, but why? <laughs> why yeah. this? Why that? And I learned a lot from him, mm. a lot. And then we used to uh, develop a lot of projects together mm-hmm. and I learned a lot of project management, renovation. That's what, that's where my renovation uh, skills and um, mm-hmm. I acquired all the knowledge about mm-hmm. renovation mm-hmm. and land subdivisions and stuff. And also how to assess and find potential in a property, what mm-hmm. else can be done. Mm-hmm. My boss at that time, uh, or I should call it later, uh, he had a really great eye with mm-hmm. the property. He would buy a property and make four out of it where a lot of people would say this is a dump mm-hmm. and he would make tenfolds mm. out of an asset. Some people would not even pay five hundred grand for it, for mm. example. Mm. And th- that was something that I learned with him. So we used to do uh, our own projects and then we used to hire real estate agents at that time to sell. And when we used to hire agents um, up in Footscray, Yarraville, uh, they were really good operators um, mm. and I've come across. And then when I used to see them auction our projects, Mm. for some reason subconscious mind started telling me that I want to be in that spot yep. I want to be an auctioneer or I want to be the agent uh, to, to some extent the cars and the lifestyle they, they carry as well at that time I didn't knew exactly mm. what it takes to be a mm-hmm. good operator mm-hmm. um, I was lucky to start and then stop working in a month so that was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still working for a developer and I took a break, told him that I want to be in real estate. Mm-hmm. He said, go, go for it. And he always supported me in that. Uh, started working with someone in Werribee for a short amount of time. Um, I mean, what I was getting taught there, uh, to me at that time was maybe right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not, mm-hmm. with all due respect. Yeah. Um, it was not the right move. Had I continued working there, I would have been an average agent. Yep. Because the process is the systems that a good operator, a successful operator mm-hmm. needs to follow uh, is a totally different. And you need to have the DNA and you need to have that fire mm. to be able to sort of follow through mm-hmm. as well. And you need to make sure that you understand your why. And um, subconsciously at that time, I knew why I'm doing it because I worked really hard when I came here. Mm-hmm. And one of the other reasons was as well, I had a very easy and successful lifestyle because of my parents back yeah. home as well. 
And not that I want to replicate that, but I wanted to do something, probably like you said, that you belong to a business family. Yeah. That, either call it subconscious mind mm-hmm. giving you messages or it's in your DNA. Mm-hmm. That you want to build something for your family Correct. as well. Yep. Um, if my parents were able to give me a lifestyle there, yes, I made decision to come here, but I've worked really hard and I've gone through mm. tough times myself yep. as well. Uh, there was a point where I had 25 cents left in my pocket in this country, mm. right? And mm-hmm. I was at Richmond Station, I remember, yeah. and I didn't have tickets, uh, money mm. to buy a ticket as well. Mm. And I've, I've seen that time as well. Yeah. So hence, those things make you strong. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you say this. 100%. And when you determine, I could have made a phone call, but if I had money to make a phone call, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> to my parents to say, send me some yeah. money. But I didn't want it to for some reason. Yeah. Um, and then thereafter, I happened to leave that office in a month, not because I was not, I listed a few properties in first mm-hmm. month as well. However, um, I was doing some projects and for doing those projects, I needed regular income at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had to of course, um, leave, but I think it all worked out well yeah. at the end. So I did a few projects, renovated and sold a few properties mm-hmm. at that time, saved money, saved up for two years. Yeah. And I said, now, once, and I gave myself a year and a half. I said, once mm-hmm. I sell this project, whatever proceeds come from here, they'll go on the side for two years, even yeah. if I don't make a single uh, commission. Yeah. Um, and then I started applying again. Mm-hmm. I went through maybe 40, 50 job interviews, <laughs> kept getting rejected uh, for real estate. Uh, a lot of rejection. Even I um, was made fun of as well mm. uh, from a lot of real estate owners. Uh, on the phone, on the emails as well, I still remember. Mm. But that made me more tough. It didn't discourage me. And then I remember there there was this particular office, they had a job advertised. I um, sent my resume and I picked up the phone and called them as well. This Mm -hmm. is exactly what I did every time. Mm -hmm. And that makes a big impact because sometimes the HR or the person concerned who would not be looking at their emails all day. Mm -hmm. Correct. And the the resumes. You, You would expect that that someone's sitting in front of the computer, mm. now my resume is getting read. That's I haven't it. got a phone call. Sometimes your resume might not be that great looking, but then if you pick up the phone, not mm. many people will call. Correct. I called that office and said, I want to speak with someone who's uh, doing this hiring. And the operator who I worked under, uh, my mentor at that time, he spoke to the HR and said, if that guy is called up, I mm. need this guy in the interview. Yeah. Because he said he fits in the real estate requirement of if you can make phone calls, if you can make phone your best friend, you can be, Correct. you can do exactly well. Right. So yeah. one, he, he said, I didn't even look at your resume. The fact that mm. you called up mm-hmm. and said you applied and you explained and oh, I need you in. So mm. we had a discussion, sat down. Um, we had a one hour uh, discussion. It was a normal discussion, nothing to do with the job interview. Um, and I was hired. Mm. So And from that that and that's what I say. If you learn from a good office, mm. you would do well in your life as well. Absolutely. And someone's got yeah. a good heart to teach you. And then, what I learn of him as well is don't keep your skills to yourself. Pass mm. it on to someone. Correct. Exactly right. Yep. So someone can benefit from yourself mm-hmm. as well. So what I've learned, a lot of them, and then over time, there were things that I always wanted to be training mm. as well. Uh, listening to podcasts, all about real estate, negotiation trainings that I've gone in. Even today, if I think that we need an extra training, 
I would invest in mm. technology. I would invest in training, mm-hmm. just because if I've been able to sort of, if I've been gifted with something that I've maybe not desired, but I wanted subconsciously at some stage, I wanted mm. to be here. Not that I expected to be at this position, but there's sky's the limit. There's still a lot to do. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm I'm still thankful what I, for what I have. But the hard work that I've put in, one is your why. Second is your fear that keeps you yeah keep making you work. Um, so that that's something that I feel is there. Like if I've got something, I want to enhance it. I want to improve it. I want to improvise it. Mm. That's my story. And that's the thing, you know. I feel like if you become the person that you are now because of your past. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something that, you know, I, growing up, and this this will ch- change on every different personality or yeah. generation that you're born in. Correct. Um, from the time that I was at school, you know, everyone's like, oh, I want to be rich. I want to buy a house. And, yeah. I, you know, and I remember, I remember, you know, understanding real estate a little yeah. bit and, and every agent I would see, they'd have a nice car, they'd yeah. live in a nice house. But you actually don't understand until yeah. you're in it what work they do exactly. to get that. Exactly. And there's nothing more rewarding than doing that work and exactly. then getting what that is 100%. There. And a lot of people don't see that. They yeah. see everything on the outside. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I, I remember going to an auction once, not not as a conveyance, I was just interested in, yeah. in the property. And um, I remember seeing this agent driving a Toyota Corolla. Mm. And my partner at the time said, you wouldn't think him being an agent, he'd be driving a Toyota Corolla. I said, mm. fair enough, because that's the interpretation yeah. that real estate put out. And he sold the auction and uh, my partner at the time went up to the agent and said, congratulations on your sale. And he goes, mate, you're not making enough money. You're driving a Toyota Corolla. And he goes, mate, it's not about the money these days. It is about mm. what I'm doing for my clients. I may have a lot of money in my bank account. I may not show it to you, mm. but what is it to you? Yeah. Exactly. So uh, people put sometimes, and I find this in real estate a lot, and tell me if I'm wrong, Jazz, but I, I believe you agree. Mm. A lot of agents will put a front on. Mm. They may wear a lavish yeah. lifestyle. They may they may have Correct. your nice cars. They put their nice cars in the videos. Yeah. Um, it's not about that. 100%. And I think if you're educated enough. Cars and can be leased. And, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And that's that should not label you as a person. Exactly. Um, I think it's your personality that labels you. I guess don't do things for people because when you start becoming everything for everyone, mm. eventually you become no one to anyone, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I change a car, if I buy a car, that is not because I want to show someone. Um, because that's, I admire the car because of the their perseverance of that organization, that company. For example, if I bought a Porsche, it's not because I want to show people. It's because I like performance of that car. Mm-hmm. If I can afford it, the hard work I've done for it, so yes, I would go for it. Now, and that is because that brand is something special about that that that, mm-hmm. that brand. What they've done, they've improvised mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot more brand, but it's just that sometimes you click with one, mm-hmm. and you wanted to have that experience mm-hmm. as well, and. And then there are people who would say, I will just keep saving. But then if you've kept saving and then tomorrow you're not here, you're gone. There's, life is unpredictable. You haven't lived your life. And you I, haven't lived your life. And I, I truly believe in that as well. Um, when when my parents grew up, that the, the lifestyle there was completely different yeah. here. You know, um, 
my dad's, you know, in his 50, 55 yeah. and, and you know, they, at the moment they're living on, you know, two acres and yeah. they bought that at the time for 40,000. Wow. You can't even get a land. <laughs> you can't even get a land. No, and I said to him, "Have you ever considered in selling?" He goes, "No, nah, I want." He goes, "I want to hold on to this because I know it's going to be a gold yeah, mine, yeah. and it's true. Yeah, the longer exactly. he holds on to it, 100%. and you know, and but he said to me, Shania, yes, you think now that that's cheap. Yeah, but back then in time, the wage was nowhere exactly. near what it is now. Correct. So, as that's why keep it for as long correct. as possible. And that's and that's exactly what you're saying with your investments. Yes, you buy yeah. your investments. Be smart with yeah. your investments. That's going to make you money in the long in the run future. Um, rather than being it as a show. Correct. Um, you're just 100%. showing people it's not benefiting you. You're exactly. buying an asset for you and for your family. 100%. And you want your kids to grow up and, you know, and you yeah. want your little girl to have a, a exactly. good life. Yeah. And you, you want to give that to your kids. So exactly. It's, it's all it's What all they do, that. it's up to them. You pass mm. on the, the right upbringing and you yeah. give them the right... Uh, ethics mm-hmm. for living the lifestyle mm-hmm. and let them do what they want to do yeah. and you, you just frame them right mm. if you give them the right upbringing mm-hmm. I reckon they should be fine yeah I totally agree um, I, I look back at you know my partner now at the time now um, he didn't come from a family that was as supportive as right. me you know his parents were divorced and um, it wasn't a yeah. mutual divorce and, you know, his mum was left with nothing and she was trying to raise the kids right. and a family of three. And when I met my partner, um, you know, going back maybe seven, six years ago, mm. um, I met him and he had nothing. Wow. You know, he was working day, day to day on, an, yeah. on a bill and um, day to day on paycheck yeah. and um, just with a bit of guidance, you know, guidance that I had growing yeah. up, you yeah. know, I gave him a little bit of what my parents yeah. gave me and yeah. you would not think now yeah. looking at him that he ever experienced exactly. that at the 100%. time and being in a in a partnership or being in a relationship is nothing more rewarding than becoming what you are now from exactly. all the hard work you've done together and sometimes it's your partner mm. who can change your life as that's well that's right that's exactly right i remember when um we sat down and and thanks for bringing that up and mm. i mean that's you you probably changed your partner's life, and I think I I, I I want to thank my wife for perhaps giving that support because a lot of people I speak with, mm-hmm. they want to do something, but one of their partners is either too Correct. scared for them to take a risk, mm-hmm. and they hold them back. Yeah, as well. That's right. So this is how I would recommend. Again, it's mm. it's everyone's uh, mm. own choice. You only live. Once and if you are, imagine you are on your deathbed, you, you yeah. last day of your life. Mm. Would you regret not taking that risk? Correct. Or would you say that's mm. fine? At least I've, I've probably lived life without taking risk, or I've not gone through pain. But there's yeah. Life is full of risk. I'll 100%. give you a prime example. We're looking at entering the commercial market for yeah. you know the other business that we have and. Yeah. Getting into a commercial is completely different to residential. Yeah. So obviously you got your big money there. Yes. Um, there's obviously your GSTs, your taxes, yes. your things like that. So it's a huge, huge investment. Yeah. And one of our family friends who are already in the market said, just go for it. Yeah. You know, if you know yeah. that you can come back from that, um, then it's okay. If it's yeah. a loss, it's a loss. Everyone Correct. contains losses in their life. Exactly. Um, and we step foot in that. And yeah. I do not regret that at all. There you go. There is nothing more rewarding than exactly. taking that risk. That risk 100%. will go through. And of course, living life, you live life with risks. Sometimes exactly. they may be positive, sometimes they may be negative. Yeah. That's life. I mean, 
there's risk if you're walking mm. on the road driving as well. That's it. So there's always risk. It, it's a life. It's a yeah. life lesson. So. Wow. Um, it's been really lovely talking a lot about personal stuff more mm. than anything else, um, Shania, today. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming That's over. That's okay. Thank you. Guys, I appreciate it. wishing you all the very best. And I would like to say, and of course, Shania would have a message for her clients as well. Thank you so much for entrusting us throughout, not just this year, but then since we've started. Uh, a lot of the clients uh, who would be watching this, I know that you've been supporting me since the day we opened up the office and you're still with me. There's so many of you and then the ones who've supported us at the starting of the business. Every year I give the same message that I'm, I'm thankful and my family is thankful to yourself. And thank you so much for loving us and wishing you all the best and to your family as well. Yeah, 100% agree. And obviously the appreciation for Jazz, you and your agency, we really appreciate what you, what connection we have. Thank and thank you. you for allowing us to build that connection. And obviously to the listeners, thank you for, um, you know, letting me give an insight on, on my perspective on the industry and my knowledge. Um, our industries are, are there not only to utilise mm. our industry, but to also to share exactly. anyone who potentially wants to um, step foot in the industry. Um Without the clientele, without the relationships, we would not be mm. able to bring bread and, and exactly. butter on our table. And because of you, that's that's what happens with us. Exactly. And you you only make us better. Yes, We may not be able to please every single client, but the clients that we do please so true. really means a lot. And 100%. the clients that potentially may not leave with the type of service that they were after, that's the feedback. Mm. And we will work on that feedback. So it's, it's a huge impact on not only the industry workers, but also on the clientele that we have. Times are tough right now. Mm. Um, we can relate, you know, but it will get better. Uh, we assume that, you know, next year the rates will stop and start to decrease slowly, Not probably not as quickly. Mm. Um, everyone is in the same position. If you are finding it tough, um, there's always professionals out there to help you, um, but don't you're not alone. It's, it's, exactly. it's around in Australia. Just be open and yeah. one, being vulnerable is always good. Mm. At least you come up and... Um, Someone is out there to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Someone's Utilize us where we can. That's what we exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Take care and enjoy your Christmas and a happy new year in advance to everybody. Thank you. Bye.